You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I'm Daniel LaRue, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. I mentioned that I was unsure at the end of the Spurs podcast whether I was going to do something today, and I decided the happy medium was to do something small and make it something intensely CBA nerdy. So that's a collective bargaining agreement for those of you who don't know it. And so that means for a lot of you, it's not going to be that interesting. I am giving you that fair warning and fair notice that this is a very specific thing, but I thought it was interesting and I was planning on writing a piece about it anyway. So I'm going to write a piece for The Athletic, which should come out on Friday. I don't know when in the day it'll be ready to be out, but it's on this very small but specific issue that actually does affect the Warriors, which is why this is going to be done on a Warriors podcast. So The league has agreed to a new collective bargaining agreement. It's been ratified by both sides, and it kicks in for next season. So a lot of the things, you know, we know what's going to happen, but it hasn't actually transpired in that way yet. And one of the big adjustments that was made in the CBA was increasing the minimum contracts. And that was a very good thing because as maximums went up, as the salary cap went up, minimum contracts were not tied to the salary cap. So what happened is they got really outstripped by everything else. They just, they didn't rise fast enough. And there are some competitive disadvantage problems. There are just a couple of different things. You just don't want to see some guys making that little when there's a lot to go around. So the owners and players came together and they made an agreement to to raise that. And they also raised the rookie scale and they also raised the some of the exceptions like the mid-level exception and all that sort of stuff. So all of that is going on at the same time. And what is really interesting is, so you think about that and you think, okay, well, if you're raising minimum contracts, you know, nice, that does a lot of different things for players. But the really fascinating part of it is thinking about, well, how does that really fit in with players that are already under contract? Because there are two basic ideas. One is, you know, that the player signed that contract, they know what they were getting into, but also the idea of, well, how do you reconcile a contract with the minimum and, and a raised minimum? And so what the league decided to do was kind of two different approaches based on two different situations. So if a player is under contract and was and was not a first round pick and they are under contract for what is less than will be their new minimum based on experience is the, is the primary consideration there. At that point, that player's salary will get raised to the minimum, the new minimum, and then their so that's their, the amount they actually get paid, but also their cap hit will be raised to the minimum because they realized that wasn't really fair. So they're, they're raising that. So the warrior that that applies to is Patrick McCaw. Patrick McCaw actually worked out reasonably well, you could say, in his case. He got a two-year minimum contract, got his straight minimum this year, and then the minimum jumped up a bunch. So he's getting, I can't remember exactly how much money he's going to be getting more than he was before. So that's how it works for players like that. You can imagine that there are certain teams that actually got hit by that a little bit hard. The Philadelphia 76ers are the most obvious because they signed a lot of those guys, even some holding over from the Sam Hinkie era, who have cheap contracts. Those now go up a little bit. They're still minimum contracts, but the minimum is more lucrative now. And it's also tied, I believe, to the salary cap. I haven't spent the real time for the CBA due to my book. But so, but you're going through that. And so those guys are getting more money. It affects the cap and everything else like that. And so that affects, you know, how much space the Warriors will need if Kevin Durant opts out, all that sort of stuff. So that's one. The second part that is arguably more interesting 
is what happened to players that were already on the rookie scale. And so the rookie scale is what applies to first round picks. So first round picks don't really get the freedom of negotiation to a full degree. And especially in, in prior years, you know, you had a specific amount that is called the rookie scale and you can go either 80% of that. So a 20% cut or 20% above. Almost everybody gets 20% above, but they still maintain that facade and that, uh, that idea. And there are guys that actually get less. I believe Livio Jean-Charles of the Spurs who then got cut, got less than that because I think they were just fulfilling a promise with, with everything like that. So basically they're sitting there and going, okay, this is more complicated because with first round picks, the rookie skill has existed, you know, like that is, a, that is a specific thing. Each pick has a value. And how do we want to work this? Cause it's more complicated. So what the league decided to do was they started with this idea that all of the players were going to get a uniform raise based each year, based on the kind of the idea that the, the rookie scale is going up based on the idea that salaries are going up. So even the number one pick in the draft, even Ben Simmons is going to get a raise. And it's, I believe the way that they're doing it is that it's going to be 15% for the first year. So everybody who's still on a rookie scale contract gets a 50%, 15% boost, 1-5. Then if you're still on a rookie scale contract another year, then you get a 30% boost off of what your rookie scale number was going to be then. And then if you are going to be have one more year, which is players of Damian Jones's draft class, then you get a 45% boost in that year. And then by that point, everybody who signed under the prior CBA, who was who was a rookie this year or prior, will have been out. So then they can just everybody go straight on the rookie scale. And if anybody's saying, well, what about somebody who was drafted last year, like uh, Yabusele, who was drafted by the Celtics, the way that it works for draft picks is that if you're a first round pick and you go overseas or whatever, if you don't go to the NBA, you get the rookie scale of the year that you come in assuming you're still tied to it. So like Ricky Rubio is a great example of this. Rubio stayed over in Spain, I think it was for two years. And so he got paid on not the year he was drafted, but he got paid on the year that he came over. And since they, that's part of the benefit of having the rookie scale is that you can just point to the number and say, if this pick gets this spot and everything like that. So that's a more complicated situation because teams can get into spots where they said, hey, you know, I wanted this pick because the guy was getting paid less money. You know, they, they, it goes more specifically into planning. It wasn't even like a straight minimum contract and all these cases. So what they did is they said, okay, we're going to give these players these raises during these years, but we're not going to bump up their salary cap hit. So if a player, you know, if he's getting a 15% raise that first year and all the way up to that 45% raise, the league, I believe, is technically paying that money. They have a fund. They have, oh, oh, I think it's a league-wide fund. Yeah, it's a league-wide fund created and maintained by the NBA. I'm reading, I think this is it's Article 8, Section 5, B, A, and B of the new CBA. So they created a fund. They're paying this money out of it. They're, you know, the NBA has, has a lot of money right now. So they're doing that. So, so you can think about that disparity. So you go, okay. Players are getting paid more than that. And for those of you who are wondering, well, hey, that seems weird. A guy's going to have a different amount that he gets paid than his number on the salary cap sheet. That is somewhat rare, but there is one really clear example where it happens kind of a lot, and that is with veteran minimum guys. So as a way of encouraging 
teams to sign veterans because the minimum increases the longer you've been in the league. What the NBA does is that they have minimum amounts for everybody, you know, up to 10 years plus. So like David West is a good example of that. So they have that number. It's substantially higher. But what happens is they take the second year veterans. That means somebody who's completed two full years and then is a free agent that or or is just on a minimum contract. They take that number and then they have the other number, let's say the 10 plus veteran for David West. And the league does two things. One, they take that difference in terms of actual salary and the league reimburses the team so in david west's case the league is paying i think it's about a third of his salary because they're encouraging teams to do that and then the second part is their salary cap hit in terms of you know in terms of the salary cap is the second year player minimum so you not only save that money as a team but you save that money on your cap sheet and that is so that because otherwise if they didn't do that then they, the expectation is the teams would just sign younger rookies and so it's a way to keep guys around in the league who knows if that would absolutely be true it would be a very bottom line driven move but that's what the league does and you know so there are very specific benefits so you oh, so you put those two things together and you say okay so you have this rookie group that they're getting paid more than their cap number and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that but what happens for players who their rookie scale amount is less than the new minimum that is established and the last time i looked at it was that's really true for the bottom five picks in a draft and so for the bottom five picks in in a draft on their rookie scale those guys are actually making less than their new minimum or we mean if if they hadn't increased the money they would have been making less so so they're sitting there going well crap what are we going to do about that so now we've already bifurcated the money that they're making from their money on the sheets but is it unfair to have their cap hold be below their minimum and what the league decided to do was for those narrow narrow group of players they decided to raise their cap hold So just the number that's on the books, it's not the salary, it's not anything like that, because that's already been handled. That's a bigger bump. For those guys, their salary on the cap hold, their cap hold gets raised to the minimum. So crazily enough, this actually really does affect the Warriors, because the Warriors not only have one guy who is dealing with this, they actually have two, because the Warriors have had picks at the bottom of the draft the last couple years. Damian Jones and Kevon Looney both got raises for next season based on this as well. So you had three different Warriors already that are under contract for next year that got raises with this. That's Kevon Looney, Damian Jones, and Patrick McCaw. So it's not a massive difference, but if Kevin Durant opts out and he wants to get paid his maximum using cap space, every little dollar can matter. So those players getting more does it. The other impact that that'll have on the Warriors, this overall structure change, is that the roster hold, so basically you can't empty your roster, you know, go completely blank. You have to have a hold in for every guy you have under 12, because 12 is the minimum. And since the minimums are going up it's the it's the rookie it's the rookie one that's for the hold so it's the lowest possible value since they've been raising the minimums those are getting higher as well so that means that it's another way that they're kind of restricting teams from using cap space you could argue that that was done and i think it's fair to say it was done in partially in response to what the warriors did in terms of getting kevin durant that you know the the took advantage not only of curry being on a discounted contract clay and draymond being on cheaper contracts even though they got close to their maximum just because of the timing of everything but they also benefited from that overall structure 
that there were low minimums and everything else, and that allowed them to make less painful decisions in order to clear the money to get Kevin Durant. They did, of course, lose Harrison Barnes and Andrew Bogut and Vesta Zeely, but compared to what teams are going to have to do this season for space or you know other times in the future, it makes sense that they would want to adjust it in that way. So that's really where these things go. I believe all of that was in, I'm not sure, I'd have to go back and look, if that all that was in when I did the last Kevin Durant breakdown, which was now a couple months ago, in terms of how much space the Warriors would have with and without him. But I wanted to go through that just because I thought it was interesting and it's a small thing and that I gave the warning at the beginning. So if you're still listening now, hopefully you enjoyed it. And, you know, it's something that I wanted to talk about, something I wanted to write about. And if you want to read more about it, I will have a piece up for The Athletic at some point on Friday. I haven't actually started writing it yet. I wasn't sure I was going to record this podcast, so I'm going to work on it tomorrow. I'll have that out. And then, of course, have normal material for the Rockets game on Friday. Houston just lost to Portland tonight, so we'll see if that has any sort of impact on tomorrow's game. And then have material. I think I'll have material. I'm going to be traveling after the Wizards game on Sunday, but I should still have material on that anyway. So you can check that out when it comes out. Feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. Danny LaRue MBA at gmail.com at Danny LaRue on Twitter. If you want to support the show, leave a rating, leave a review in the podcast player of your choosing. Great if it's iTunes, fine if it's not. And then subscribe and download every episode. Sounds weird. Really important thing you can do to help out and really do appreciate it. And you can check out the other great Locked On podcasts. I know those of you who are Raiders fans are certainly hurting and I, I feel your pain. And I know that Locked On Raiders has been doing some doing some good work on that. And then, of course, all the Locked Ons on the NBA teams. And then Josh Floyd does fantasy basketball. I, I think we're probably in playoff sport. I'm not big on fantasy basketball, so probably around that time. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day.